Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Under God and together we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, good evening, brothers and sisters. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, on this program, we look at what is happening in the nation, in the political world, and we look at it from the point of view of the Word of God, apply spiritual principles, and pray over the nation. So more and more commentators and more and more citizens, when they see the weaponization of government, when they see the FBI going after peaceful, patriotic Americans and imposing harsh sentences on them for having done nothing wrong, when in fact we see the, uh, the, the judges that are handling these uh, fake indictments and uh, charges against President Trump, jockeying with one another to see who can interfere more with the elections, scheduling dates uh, the day before Super Tuesday, imposing uh, unheard of and unprecedented deadlines, shortest time, impossible amounts of time, for the defense to prepare their defense, having to read through 12 million pages of documents in just a few months and insisting that the trials be at an unreasonably uh, short interval, just turning the law upside down, perverting every notion of justice and due process. And at the same time, these same people on the left killing babies throughout pregnancy in, in uh, the evil of abortion and indoctrinating our children and lead them, leading them to uh, physical mutilation and keeping parents away from the children and bringing drag queens not only into classrooms and libraries, but into churches. More and more commentators and more and more Americans are saying this is demonic. Demonic. So I want to take a look tonight at the scriptures teaching about the devil. The same people who are willing to call this demonic also are willing to call it a war. It is a war. Let's delve a little bit more deeply into what are we to understand from the Word of God? What are we to believe about this? How are we to express it? And are we hitting the nail on the head, spiritually speaking? How do we fight against the demonic? This will take actually a number of programs, but uh, worth going into because we are people of faith as well as patriots. Let's uh, start here our prayers tonight with a reading from the first letter of Peter chapter 5. Starting in verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil, 
is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, solid in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, the devil is real. You have taught us that. The devil is our adversary and wants to devour us. You have taught us that too. And we can resist him solid in our faith and under your protection, and you have taught us that. Lord, we take to heart once again these simple truths, these profound truths, these important truths, and we apply them to the battle for our nation. We do not fight simply against flesh and blood, as your word also tells us, but against the principalities, the powers, the evil spirits in the high places. Lord God, we take responsibility for our actions and also for the task of saving this nation. We do not abandon that responsibility by blaming every evil on the devil. And yet, Lord God, we are nevertheless vigilant and quite aware of his presence and his power and his mischief. And we ask you, because you, Lord God, are all-powerful, to protect us, our families, our churches, and our nation against the influence of this evil spirit and of the demons that accompany him. Help us to understand what your word tells us about this spiritual battle and to engage it with wisdom and virtue. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. You believe the devil exists? The Word of God tells us that, Jesus tells us that, and that's really the first thing to wrestle with. I mean, does he really exist? As, or is this just, you know, some people think when we talk about the devil or demons or Satan or evil spirits, that it, 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 it's just some kind of symbol, some kind of shorthand for a series of philosophical beliefs. Even when we saw earlier this year, SatanCon 2023, you remember that? A conference of Satanists up in Massachusetts? the leader of that satanic temple was saying, oh, well, you know, we, it's not that we worship the devil. We don't even necessarily believe in the devil. We just uh, believe, you know, in uh, human freedom and uh, independence and self-assertion. Those are exactly, exactly the things the devil wants us to do, assert ourselves aside from God. We're going to see that in a moment. But even if Satanists say they don't believe in the devil... That doesn't mean that he's not there, that he's not real. It doesn't even mean that he's not pleased with the things that they're doing and with the things that anybody does who declares independence from God. That's the point. That's the whole point of the devil. Let's get into this a little bit, biblically speaking. First of all, yes, the devil does exist. And God created him. Now, that can be a startling thing to say. But God did not create him evil. God created him good. And this is the first point to understand. According to Scripture and the historic Christian teaching, 
God created everything. First line of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to talk about him speaking and all things were made. God created the heavens and the earth, things visible and invisible. Now, beginning of the letter of John, the Gospel of John, we read the, these words. And, and this reinforces the fact that anything that exists has come into existence by God's creative acts. Now, that doesn't mean that those things that exist that have become corrupted, like the devil and the demons, were corrupted by the action or will of God. They were not. But they were created at the beginning by God. Listen to the start of John's Gospel, familiar enough words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then verse 3. All things were made through Him, and apart from Him was not anything made that was made. Now this goes directly against a heresy called dualism. And it goes under various other names and it's popped up in various forms throughout the centuries. But the gist of it is very simply that Almighty God, the good God, created the spiritual world. And material things, on the other hand, were made by an evil spirit, the devil. And so you've got these two sources of creation, if you will, God on the one hand and some kind of evil spirit, call him the devil, on the other. And that there's a competition there from the beginning and that maybe they somehow have some kind of co-equality, co-creators. No, that is not biblical teaching. That is not Christian teaching. The devil has corrupted himself, and we'll see why in a moment. But as an angel, God created that being. Now, just like he creates us, just because we get corrupted by sin doesn't mean that we were created by an evil spirit. Okay, God created all things. Paul, by the way, letter to the Colossians, the first chapter, all, also makes the assertion, all things were created through Christ. All things created through Christ and for Christ. All right. War broke out in heaven. So let's go. We want to understand what we should think about the devil. Revelation chapter 12. Now, before it says war broke out in heaven, and we see a battle between the good angels and the rebellious, corrupted angels, let's go a little bit before that because we have a story here of the woman and the dragon. John, the apostle, is seeing all of this. God is revealing it to him. Uh, let, 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 let's see something about that. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness. Okay, then... In the next verse it says, 
now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell therein. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great fury, because he knows his time is short. So, obviously, the child being born of this woman is Christ Jesus, right? Destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. And the devil, the dragon, hates God, tries to destroy him, but cannot do so. So now the, devils are, the devil and his followers, the demons, are cast out of heaven. They wage war on us. He wants to do the next best thing because we're made in the image and likeness of God. So if the devil hates God, wants to kill God, can't do it, does the next best thing, kills what is made in the image of God, human life. Notice he is called the deceiver of the whole world. And in our discourse about the devil, we'll get back to that. But he does deceive and he hates and like we heard from St. Peter earlier, he's prowling about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let's continue here with the passage from Revelation 12. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness for the place where she is to be nourished. Going forward, the serpent poured a water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. So you see this battle continuing. Even though the devil lost his place in heaven, he continues with a furious rage here on earth to destroy what God has created. Destruction, and also remember he is the deceiver. Then, Verse 17, the dragon became furious with the woman. Now here's a key concept now that we have to grasp. And went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Some people don't like to use the word war. When we describe what's going on today in the world and in America. But you know what? It's not up to us whether we should be using the word war. Sometimes it's not up to us. Some people like to say, oh, and I'm, I'm a peaceful person. I don't have any enemies. I don't want to fight. I only want to make peace. And we think that somehow we're above the fray. Whether you have an enemy doesn't just depend on whether you want to make an enemy. Whether you are a person of peace or war does not simply depend on whether you want to attack. 
It depends on somebody deciding to make you an enemy, someone to decide, deciding to attack you and the things you cherish. And that's the situation we're in. Of course we're people of peace. Of course, if we can help it, we don't want to make enemies. But the fact of the matter is the enemies make themselves the enemy. And they come after us and our children and our freedom and our nation. And that's why we are in a war. Now, once that happens, once your enemy decides that you're an enemy and that they're going to attack you, well, you have to fight that war. Otherwise, you get devoured by that enemy. What is Peter saying? Resist him solid in your faith because he's seeking to devour you. And that's what we see playing out in America today. And this attack on our faith, yeah, at its root, it is demonic. Because there is a spiritual being who hates everything we stand for, everything we cherish. That was foretold, friends, from the first book of the Bible. So let's go to another passage here that illustrates that, yeah, we're in for a war. And we shouldn't be surprised that we're in one, nor should we hesitate to use that language. It doesn't mean we're people of violence. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous uh, accusation of us. Oh, because we use the word war, we're advocating violence. No such thing. But here's what we find in the third chapter of Genesis. The fall. It wasn't just about Adam and Eve committing a sin. It was about the beginning of a warfare that would last throughout the centuries. Let's read. Then the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God has made. Now remember, in Revelation 12, the devil lost his place in heaven, got cast down to the earth, and made war against the, the offspring of the woman. So now we have the serpent, having been cast down from heaven, making that war. Let's see how he proceeds. Remember, he's the deceiver of the whole world, right? So he's going to start out by deception. He said to the woman. So the warfare starts with words. He said to the woman. Just like creation starts with a word, God spoke and it was made. Now the serpent starts the war with a word. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat any of the tree of the garden? Now right away, that's a lie. Because God gave them the freedom to eat from the trees. So Eve picks up on this. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. There it is, deceiver of the whole world. You surely will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. The eyes of both were opened and they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloth. Now let's read on because now it talks to us about what, the, what we're in right now. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? 
The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God then said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly shall you crawl, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now let's pause there, because this is one of the most important verses in the Old Testament. It is called the Proto-Gospel, the first announcement of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It portrays here, first of all, it expresses what we read in Genesis. The dragon went forward to make war on all her offspring, her children, throughout the generations. Well, here God said that from the very beginning to our first parents, that there would be this ongoing war, this enmity between human beings, because the offspring of Adam and Eve is all of us, this war between human beings and the serpent and the devil, and the demons, the evil spirits. But God foretells here who would be stronger. He shall bruise your head. He's talking to the serpent. You shall bruise his heel. So the serpent is under the heel of the descendant of Adam and Eve. Of course, this is pointing to Christ. He will have the victory over the deceiver of the whole world because he's the truth. He will have the victory over the one who wants to devour human beings and bring death into the world because he is the life. The ongoing nature of the war is foretold and the victor is likewise foretold. This is a proto-gospel. We also see some of the other effects of the devil having successfully deceived our first parents. It brings tension within the marriage. It brings pain in childbirth. It brings a corruption of creation. Because God goes on to say to the woman, I will multiply your pain in childbearing. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. He says to the man, Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forward. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat your bread. And then he points out, this sin has brought death. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken for you, were, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. At its root, death comes from this act of Satan. Our act too. But Satan initiates this and death is brought into the world. Because of this ongoing warfare, we have lies continuing always to assert themselves. He's the deceiver of the whole world. 
Jesus said in the eighth chapter of John's gospel that the devil is a liar and a murderer. He puts those two words in the same breath. And the first letter of John says that the Son of God, Jesus, came into the world to do what? He says, to destroy the works of the devil. I want to I go to one more passage here that talks about the, the fact that, yes, we are in a war, and it is demonic. Exodus 17, the people of God are making their way through the desert. And, uh, you know, this is a, a, um, a story in the Old Testament, the whole history of a people of God being given protection, guidance from Him, a covenant with Him, a land promised by Him and delivered to them miraculously, but they still have to fight. See, this is what I'm about to read for you and, and, and countless stories in the Old Testament have to make us understand something. Yes, we are the people of God. Yes, we are people of the covenant. Yes, God is with us and He prevails. But if that makes us think we don't have to fight, we're missing a whole dimension here of the Scriptures. Despite the fact that God was with His people and gives them the land and gives them... This is right, this is the chapter, the same chapter where we read about the water from the rock. God is providing for His people every day and He's providing miraculously. But they still have to fight. Listen to this. Amalek. Then Amalek came. So the people are just, they're minding their business. They're obeying the Lord. They're journeying towards the promised land. And in chapter 17 of Exodus, in verse 8, all of a sudden it just says, Then Amalek came. Remember what I said a moment ago. You might say, oh, I don't, I don't have any enemies. Oh, I'm a peaceful person. Okay, fair enough. But you do have enemies because the enemy decides to attack you. Amalek came. Simple as that. Two words. Amalek came. Now the Israelites have a war on their hands. Listen to what it says. Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him as he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side, his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. So you see, God is fighting with and for His people, but they still have to fight, and they have to pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book, and recite it in the ear of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is My Banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will battle, will have war, this translation says. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. 
Oh, yes. We have victory in Christ Jesus. We are the redeemed of the Lord. But Amalek is waging war throughout the centuries. Amalek came. Amalek comes now. The enemy comes. The thief. The robber. Comes to steal and injure, to destroy, as Jesus said when he talked about himself as the good shepherd who protects his sheep. I came that they might have life and have it to the full. We have a war on our hands. Anybody who says, oh, let's not use this language about warfare or anything like that. Friends, they're not paying attention to the scriptures. And they're not accurately assessing the situation we're in. We're going to talk more about this in a few subsequent episodes because this, this demands a detailed treatment. Because we have to understand, as we already asserted when we said that God created everything, and that it is the serpent's head that is crushed under the heel of Christ and his body, the church, that ultimately we know in the midst of this fight that the devil's power is limited, that Christ's power is always victorious. He's the Almighty. But we've got to hold those convictions together with the conviction, as all these readings indicate, that we must continue to fight. We must fight. We have the victory but that doesn't mean we don't have the war. We've got the war and the victory at the same time. And we've got to be clear on that. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are at war. And Lord, yes, this battle is demonic. The activities of the other side, Lord God, are demonic. They, they, they manifest to us the deceitfulness of the devil. They manifest to us the bloodlust of the devil. He wants to devour human life. He wants to destroy freedom. He wants to destroy worship of you. He wants to destroy you if he could. Lord God, keep us wise. Keep our spiritual eyes open. Help us to have the proper understanding and use the proper language to describe what is going on here. And by taking refuge in you, Lord God, may we always have victory over these evil spirits. Lord, as we pray here tonight, we want to ask your blessing upon all of America, upon our leaders uh, who are following your way. Give repentance to those who are not. We ask you to bless those who are doing so much good for our nation, like President Trump and his, his family and his team. Bless us all as we reclaim this country. We pray now in the words Jesus gave us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, thank you very much. Uh, Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, Priest for Life. Uh, we will be uh, talking a lot more about a lot of these things during these programs. Let other people know about Praying for America. Uh, let's all get together and uh, stay strong together. Follow me on social media. I'm, I'm at FR Frank Pavone on major platforms. Thank you to Right Side Broadcasting and all the other platforms, Rumble and Getter, that carry our programs. Uh, thank you for subscribing to us on these different channels, helping our audience to grow. We will talk to you soon. Hello, I'm Evangelist Alveda King, 
Our team at Priest for Life produces many books, pamphlets, audio and video presentations, and other resources to help you protect the unborn. I invite you today to visit our online store at ProLifeProducts.org and see the many helpful resources you can get for yourself, your pro-life group, and your church. God bless you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.